Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. The Outpouring is a vibrant, Christ-centered church in sunny Orlando, Florida. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message by Pastor John Daniels. Um, I just wanted um, to speak with relevance and also speak with clarity about and give us proper perspective on what's going on. And so, although I had a message prepared, I can preach that later. But I wanted to share um, something that I read earlier this week. Um, and um, hopefully this will be helpful for us in which the time, uh, in the time that we're in. And so, um, this is going to be a short sermon. I hear your spirit saying amen. <laughs> it's going to be a short sermon. But I pray that Christ be glorified. And that you be encouraged and that you grow. So it's our custom to read aloud together. And so we're going to read all 16 verses of Psalm 91 together. And so here's what I want to say before we read. Um, we don't know how this thing is going to flesh itself out. So we really don't know, honestly. If we're being honest. We really don't know. We live in reality. We don't know when we're going to be able to meet again. So what would it look like for us to be together one last time for an extended period of time? Or who knows? Like, has it entered your mind that not to be doom and gloom because it's not doom and gloom for believers is actually glorious? Has it ever entered your mind that, that maybe this is the beginning of something else? Do you think that way? And so for us as believers, our hope is not placed in, oh, man, oh, things are going crazy. Maybe the signs that we see are hope for us to remember while we have hope. That our hope is in God and that the greatest pr- the, the, when God gave the disciples a prayer, we pray this part and we don't believe it. He says, thy kingdom come. When was the last time you pray for his kingdom to come? And so let's not look at it as doom and gloom, but let's look at it as our glorious hope. And so let's read this like it may be our last time reading together. We could be here together next week or we could not be, but we don't know. But let's give God all that we had. The Bible says everything that have bread. Let's, the Bible said that everything that have bread praise the Lord. And so let's read these 16 verses together in unison. Ready? Read. Do not be 
Amen. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come, that we can gather, that we can study. I just pray, God, that you make our time together great and strong, Lord. I pray that we will grow this morning, God. I pray that our confidence in God would grow this morning, Lord. I pray that your son Jesus would make himself known. And so, Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said, amen. You may be seated. My sermon title this morning is Confidence in God. Confidence in God. Psalm 91 is one of the most famous psalms in all of the Bible because it expresses a hope and a confidence in God in the midst of turmoil. That these people are in the midst of a real of a real battle and they have to make a decision. Where would they put their hope and where would they put their trust? Will they put their hope and trust in themselves or will they put their hope and their trust in God? And so the psalmist writes this to them to let them know that God is refuge and God is a fortress. If there is any place that you would place your confidence today, I want to suggest to you that there is no better place to put your trust, your hope, your faith and your confidence than in God. When doctors don't know the answer, put your confidence in God. When scientists can't figure out where disease is coming from, put your hope and your confidence in God. When people are dying all around you, put your hope and your confidence in God. If we look at this passage today, it appears that the people are in the midst of what is a military battle. They are in the midst of a real live fight. But this, this, this psalm is not one that tells them to be fearful or it's not a psalm of uncertainty, it's a psalm of confidence that even though they are in a real life battle, they can have confidence that they will get through this particular season. Matter of fact, Psalm 91 is a psalm of praise. This is something for them to be hopeful in, in spite of what they are going through. And so for us, we're not like the people in Psalm 91 that are going through a military battle. We're not facing a military battle today, but I do want to present to you an alternative that we are going through. It's, it's not a military battle that we're facing today. Today, we are fighting a spiritual battle. We are not presently in a military battle, but daily we fight spiritual battles. And I want to tell you this this morning that there is a real opponent and that there is a real enemy at work in the world. We would be foolish and naive to think with everything going on around us that this is just happenstance. I want to let you know this morning that what is happening around us is not happenstance. This is not just some cosmic thing that's going on that we don't know about, but there is a real live enemy that is at work in the world and this real life enemy's job is to kill, steal, and destroy. And so we as believers have to see it for what it is and realize that this is not happenstance, but we are actually in a fight. And so I want to present to you this morning that what you see today ain't about a coronavirus. It's about an enemy that's really trying to kill us. That this is an enemy that has come to steal our distraction and take our focus from God. He wants to undermine us and take our hope right from under us and make us fearful like the rest of the world. But as the psalmist is telling them today in this text, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And we shall say to the Lord, he is our refuge and he is our fortress. And so if there's any place that you should look to today, it shouldn't be at CNN, it shouldn't be in the local news. Your first point of reference, your first news source is the word of God and the word of God says that God is a fortress. He is a fortress for us. And so there is a real 
enemy at work in the world. And I want to tell you this about the enemy. He does not play fair. He will use anything he can to thwart the plan of God and get our attention away from God. And so when we think about times where we have to make a decision, is this God or is this Satan? I want to remind you of a person in the Bible. His name is Job. It's in your Bible. It's not Job. It's actually Job. And Job is a man who is righteous. He is uh, what, what we would say a righteous man. He's not innocent as imperfect, but he is blameless. He is faithful to God. He loves God from within. He loves God in his heart. He is a good husband. He is a good father, but he's also a businessman. The Bible tells us that Job would wake up in the morning and make spiritual sacrifices for his children. He loved his family that much. He loved God that much that he was always before the Lord. And Job had plenty of resources, plenty of wealth. But the Bible tells us something happened one day where there was a real enemy who went into the presence of God to have a conversation with God. And God asked his enemy, yo, homeboy, what you doing up here? And he says, I'm just going to and fro seeking who I can knock off their square, seeing who I can throw off, seeing who I can actually attack. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? That's interesting because the enemy is looking for somebody to, to attack and God offers him up somebody to attack. And so if, if it was up to me and you, we would say, well, how can an innocent man, God allow an innocent man to be attacked? Good things don't happen. Bad things don't happen to good people. But sometimes bad things do happen to good people. And sometimes we have to be mindful and be spiritually mature and be aware enough that sometimes bad stuff is happening to you because Satan is, Satan is attacking you, but God is testing you at the same time. And so maybe in your life right now, you are both under a test and an attack. And so our response and our question today is that we have two options. We have two options. And here's the thing that we have to decide. Will we be fearful or faithful? Will we be fearful or faithful? And we know that the scripture tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And so we need to. Be spiritually mature enough today to see this for what it is. Now, I'm not of the I'm not of the perspective that everything that happens is the enemy's fault. Sometimes you walk yourself into the enemy's cage and you lock the door behind yourself. Sometimes you walk right into the lion's den you, you were not led there. You just happened to open the door and walk in there. You saw it was a lion there and you decided to go and move some furniture in the lion's den. That, that's not a spiritual attack. That's called your disobedience. But there are some times when even you can be doing the right thing and the wrong thing happens. You can be minding your business, serving God faithfully, loving God with your whole heart and something bad can happen to you. And we we have to be wise enough and, and not too spooky enough to realize, wait a minute, what is happening right now? I've been struggling with this for a long time. This keeps happening to me. After a couple times, maybe something in our mind should say or the Holy, we should allow the Holy Spirit to speak and say, you know what? Maybe this ain't just me doing the wrong thing. Maybe this is deeper than that. 
Maybe this is something spiritual. Maybe this is something that I cannot see. And we look through all throughout the the, uh, New Testament and the New Testament shows us that there is a real enemy and the fights that we fight are not uh, uh, fleshly fights, but they are spiritual warfare. There is a real kingdom out there that we cannot see, but God has equipped us to do battle. And here's the thing. We don't do battle in our own power. We do battle in the power of the Lord. He provides the weaponry for us. He provides protection for us. He tells us what to do. And God has given us his word. And so we have to have to be mindful. How will we respond to stuff when it happens in the world? Will we be fearful or will we be faithful? And so today, this context is one in which a leader of an army who may have been a priest is assuring this army that although they have a real enemy and that there's wild animals out there and they have to deal with the elements and even death itself, he wants to assure them that their hope and their confidence should be in God. And so this for them is a call for them to run to God and get as close to him as they can. God is actually protection for them from their enemies. And oftentimes when we get in trouble, we look everywhere except for God. We call our parents. We call our spouses. We call our mama. We call our daddy. We're trying to figure things out. But sometimes God is using stuff to draw us back to him. Sometimes God will put his people under pressure just so he can get your attention. Everything going right in your life, you tend to talk to God less, but something about life and something about human nature, when God turns up the heat in your life, we tend to run to God. And sometimes God uses uncommon means to get his people's attention and to draw them back to him. And maybe what is going on in our land right now is for the people to walk away from their idols and turn back to God. You want to believe me? You don't believe me? I got scripture for you. Here's what it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. And maybe this is a call for us to turn back to God. Maybe this is God trying to turn your fear into faith. Maybe this season of your life and the uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen. My, my, my job sent everybody home. How long are they going to pay us when we don't have to show up to work? What, what's going to happen to my finances? We was just starting to get good. I, I was just starting to turn that corner. I was just starting to pay a couple things off. And here, here it comes. Here it is. And just like that, I feel my joy slipping away. Just like that, the joy of the Lord that I had, that God is a provider at the first sign of trouble. Now I'm asking God, are you really a provider? And so this maybe is not for you to question God, but maybe this is for you to firmly entrench your feet into God more than you were before. Sometimes God uses things to get our attention before the destruction actually comes so that we can turn back to him. God told them in Chronicles 7, 14, if they would pray and seek seek him with their face and turn from their wicked ways, he would actually hear them. He would forgive them and he would heal their land. And so we got this idea that just because America is not 
physically harmful towards Christianity that we're actually a Christian nation. Well, I want to wake you up this morning and let you know that that is no longer the case. We don't live in a Christian nation anymore. However, that does not mean that us as exiles, sorry to go back to live on mission, us as exiles in the world don't have a responsibility to pray for the land in which we live in. And so we have the responsibility to share and take this burden upon us to pray for the country in which we live. We have a responsibility to pray for those who are sick that they will be healed even if they are not Christians. How else will we be sought and light in the world if we don't pray and serve the people who are not like us? And so th this is an opportunity for the church to seek God and live out our faith that we would trust God, know that he is protecting us from the enemy, know that he is protecting us from all things that are going on around us. But maybe it is also for us to exercise our faith in the sense that we go out and serve the world even if they are not believers. Maybe this is our opportunity to show them what our God is like. Maybe this is the opportunity to squelch all of the stereotypes that they have about Christians. Maybe they should see that we're not just a bunch of crazy people that gather on Sunday, but when calamity strikes, we can go out there and we can serve somebody. We can still pray for our neighbors. We can still visit some people in the hospital. We can do all the things that God called us to do, and maybe this is our opportunity. But how can we do it if we're fearful like everybody else? And so... It's interesting in this that in Psalm 91, verses 3 and verses 6 seem mighty, 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 mighty familiar. Verses 3 and verses 6 seem mighty, 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 mighty relevant for today. For such an old antiquated book that don't have no relevance anymore, depending on who you ask, it sure does seem mighty relevant in verses 3, through, three and 6. And here's what it says in verse 3 about God. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly disease. Interesting. Verse six says that that verse five through six says, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the disease that stalks in darkness. So they had a real live enemy, but they also were fearful that while they were in spiritual battle, that disease could overcome them. That's interesting. And here, here's, here's what he's trying to get them to see, that even if disease is all around you, I want to assure you that God is capable to save you. That, that even if sickness is happening around you, God is powerful enough to save you. Verse 7 makes it so clear for us that even if the numbers keep rising high, verse 7 says, a thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right, but it will not come near you. That's beautiful, that, that God makes a promise that he can protect his people even from sickness and disease. Well, pastor, you're not re li really living in reality because people are still getting sick and some of them are Christians. So what do you have to say about, about that? I have a lot to say about that. Maybe this psalm is telling us that even if you die a natural death, if you are in Christ, you still live life because you have eternal life. That, 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 that Matthew 10, 28 tells us, don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both, body, both soul and body in hell. What he's saying is, don't be afraid of losing your physical life. Be afraid of losing your soul, which is your real life. And through Christ Jesus, even if we die here, we get to live again. That, that we have eternal life. So what, what is the perspective? Pastor, what if something happens to me? What should I do? Well, 
This past week, I think it was last, this past Wednesday, I was watching CNN, and they had a gentleman on there, um, and this, uh, they have a, a, a broadcaster or, or a personality, his name is, um, I think his name's Jim Shuto. He has a daytime show, and they had a guest on there, a gentleman from Rome, Georgia. And this gentleman, I, I want you to look this up on YouTube, not now, after you leave here, um, um, on YouTube. His name is Clay Bentley. His name is Clay Bentley. Clay Bentley, they interviewed him. He was in quarantine in a hospital in Rome, Georgia. And so Clay Bentley is talking about how he was feeling and that he had turned a corner since he initially got sick. And Clay, during the interview, as they're asking him about, they had a doctor, they had Jim, Jim Shuto, and they had another a lady on there who was anchoring with Jim Shuto, and they were talking to him about disease. And all of a sudden, Clay Bentley busts out of nowhere, and Clay Bentley says, um, you know what I realized? That the word of God tells me that there's a real enemy out there. I said, oh, where's Clay going with this one? Oh, okay. And Clay was like, I, I want to tell you that there's a real enemy. The word of God tells us so. He says, actually, if anybody should be sad, it should be me. If anybody should be complaining, it should be me. I got this when I was singing in a choir in church. I got this uh, a coronavirus singing in a choir in church. But I know actually that it ain't about that. I know who the real enemy is. I have a real enemy. But the word of God tells me that no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. I'm a man of God. I stand on the word of God. And the people on CNN was like, oh, my God, we got to Cut him off. What is he talking about? Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, no, the coronavirus, the coronavirus. And I said, what kind of perspective is that we should have? We should be just like Clay, that no matter what happens to us, we still can declare that God is good and that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. So if you find yourself sick, if you find yourself not feeling well, I'm not saying go to the doctor, but I am saying that we have a great physician and that he is protecting you and that he can also heal you at the same time. And so, Pastor, it's hard for me to grasp, but let's read verses 7 through 11. If you've got a Bible, it says that a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. I'm reading old school today. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. These are some strong promises. And this is not some pie in the sky, overtly optimistic, but it is speaking to a real life trust and confidence in God because the call is not for us to just look at this temporal life, but it is a call to, to force us to see that in God we have eternal life. And here's what it says in verses 14 through 16 at the end. It says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. This is God speaking. God says, because he holds fast to me in love, I'll deliver him. I'll protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and I will honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Wow, that is amazing. 
And this is not to say that the threat isn't real. This isn't to say do not be cautious. This is not to say don't listen to the doctors. This is to say that my ultimate trust is in God because he gives me eternal life. What if I do get sick? The truth is because you are a Christian, even if it kills you, it can't take your life. Even if it kills you, it can't take your life. Verse 16 says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. He is actually talking about Christ. And you know that you have eternal life because you believe in the one that they killed on the cross. But God raised him on the third day from the grave. And when you put your faith and your trust in the finished work of Jesus, you too have eternal life. So even if they do kill your body, they can can't kill your soul, that that, that you will live again, even if you do find yourself sick. Sick Hebrews 4.15 tells us, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, yet without sin. And so God, I want you to know today that you can put your confidence in God, that God is a protector and God is is a healer. That is not to say that we walk around unwise, but it is to say that even if it goes crazy, I still keep my faith and my trust in God. That that, that even if sickness comes to my county, my city, my school, my job, my neighborhood, my family, My confidence is in God, that he has promised to give me eternal life, that that I know that even if they kill my body, they can't kill my soul, that ultimately I'm just living to live again. Can God understand what I've gone through and what I've been through or what I may go through? Absolutely, God can. Isaiah 53, four through five tells us this. Surely he has borne our griefs. And carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But here's your hope today. If you don't hear anything else I said, here's your hope. Isaiah 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So even if you're not sick, you are healed. Even if you get sick, you are healed. Because it could be one thing. You could have a healed body and a sick soul. But in Christ, you can have a sick body but a healed soul. And this is a call for us to put our confidence in God. To know that he's a protector. And to know that he's a healer. If we leave here today and the numbers are racked up and we see in Orange County there's 200 Cases and 200 deaths, and we pray it's not because we prayed today. Amen. And we believe that God heard our prayers. Amen. But even then, we ain't going to flinch. Amen. God was already here in this day before we got here. He is not caught off guard by coronavirus. It could be coronavirus, Hennessy virus, Jack Daniels virus, Ciroc virus. It don't matter what they call it. Jesus is still a healer. Je- Jesus is still the healer. You can name it whatever you want to name it. You can call it whatever your favorite drink is. You can call it Corona with lime. Whatever it is, God is a healer. 
God is a healer. And so today, I want to encourage you today to put your faith, your hope, and your trust in God. And when God brings an opportunity for you to minister to somebody with words, but if it's simply to go and drop off some grocery to an old person, do it in the name of Jesus. And so, we can put our confidence in God. We can put our confidence in God. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't lose trust. Know that your hope doesn't lie here, but your hope lies in Christ and his return. What's the worst that can happen? All of us die. And all of us get to be with Jesus. I thought that's what you wanted. I just want to feel God. Okay. All right. Okay. I just want to feel his presence. Oh, you're going to feel it. Oh, you're going to be right there face to face. And you you know what? Nothing that the world ever gave you will ever compare to what is to come. In his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence, there's no longer sickness or disease. But there's complete peace and joy in Jesus. Let us pray. We hope you were blessed by the message today and would love to hear about how God is using this ministry in your life. You can connect with us online at outpouringorlando.com to share your story, request prayer, give financial support, or learn more about our ministry. We'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services if you're ever in the Orlando area. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a wonderful week.